Hello and welcome yep. back to Last Guys <laughs> Off the Bench, the podcast where you get expert NBA analysis from expert lifetime bench warmers. Um, thank you for tuning in to our part two pod for round one in the bubble for the NBA playoffs. Um, I am joined by none other than Juan Aranda, who is most likely to miss every shot in a pickup game after showing up with one headband, two wristbands, and an arm sleeve. Ron, how's it or, Holy shit, I just called you Ron. Ron, <laughs> how's it going, man? <laughs> hey, man, look good, feel good, am I right? Hey, you gotta get that energy onto the court somehow. Most likely to look great. Bands. Most likely to look like he belongs, that's what I go for. <laughs> We're also joined by Darcy Fraley, who's most likely to wear light blue jeans and no t-shirt in a pickup game. Darcy, what's up, man? Exactly my outfit right now. Light blue <laughs> jeans great. and no t-shirt. Yeah. It's the Thank best you. Zoom thing to look at right now. Yeah. So there's a reason I have the video on. You're the only guy that's like always like, so shirts for skins or, or what? <laughs> <laughs> Every like, time. Always, always trying to force it. <laughs> it's like, bro, it's November. <laughs> it's like 55 out. <laughs> like, so, so yes. <laughs> so who wants skins? And my name is Josh King, um, one of the original founders of Last Guys Off the Bench, who is back, but not back, but kind of back, but hopefully sort of back. Guys, back. thanks for having me. Um, before we start today's pod, we wanted to make sure we discussed the events that took place this past week and those leading up to it, surrounding the systemic racism and police brutality that continues to plague the nation and continues to affect many of the players in the NBA. Um, the recent shooting of Jacob Blake sparked the players of the Milwaukee Bucks and players throughout the entire NBA to strike and refuse to play their Wednesday playoff games. This action was then followed by teams in the MLB, WNBA, MLS, and other leagues who also went on strike in response to systemic racism and police brutality. Um, since Wednesday, we've gotten news that the, that the league was going to resume the playoffs tomorrow on Saturday. Um, but Darcy, Juan, I think it's important that we discuss this a little bit and, and share some of our thoughts. And I don't know, what did you guys think when all this first happened on Wednesday? What did you think when the Bucks refused to walk out onto the court? I thought it was really powerful to see um, them take a stand and make a message together. Well, although they didn't intend to do it um, in their own separate fashions, they wanted to do it together. I think I thought it was really powerful. Um, and the league's been on this precipice before, couple different times I think of uh when Donald Sterling um when that whole mess went down with the Clippers when we thought there was going to be a boycott for the playoff game between them and the Warriors um and some many thought they should have uh think of the when MLK was assassinated and Bill Russell and the Sixers were playing in the playoffs I think it was the Sixers or maybe it was the Lakers um and how they talked about boycotting and striking um and they decided against it uh, but I think it's not surprising to see them take that stand and actually um, move forward with the strike. thought it was powerful that the other leagues came in with them. It was really cool to see. I think, I think that was the most uh, surprising part, right? Like I didn't expect MLB teams to start getting in on it. Um, and then ultimately the MLB as a whole didn't uh, strike, but a lot of teams did individually. So I thought that was really interesting, like from a league that you would least expect it, I guess. Um, but I like that it was the players on their own deciding this, right? I think it didn't feel manufactured because it wasn't the NBA 
like on board with the original plan rather they were caught off guard just like everyone else so i think that gave it some genuineness right um mm -hmm. that they felt like this was something important that they needed to take a stand on one of the things that uh josh and i were talking about before we got started today um was them hopefully working towards building these types of efforts uh in into their business plan um, for individual teams or part of the bylaws for when you become an owner in the league in that it's part of your social responsibility to contribute to a certain number of messages that are a part of your local broadcasts um, that go out to uh, your fans in regards to racial injustices or promoting voting voter awareness or um, places where you can support these ty types of efforts. Um, things like that, that I think could really make a change moving forward. And, and realistically, the, I mean, the players are already doing a lot and the players can also only do so much compared to what the owners can do, who are literal billionaires who are out here uh, with the like literal, like privilege to be able to put their resources to a lot of good. Um, and I'm sure like it's frustrating. It's so, it has to be so frustrating for these players who have put in so much work during this bubble basketball um, time to, to use their voice and use this platform and use this bubble as a way to, to talk about things to enact change. And to see another shooting occur in the midst of all that has to be incredibly frustrating and has to, again, like put them in a position where the plan isn't working, what else can they do? Um, I'm thrilled that they're playing again. I'm thrilled that the season isn't cut off. I love basketball and I love watching them play. And um, I was excited when I heard they were coming back. But at the same time, I really hope that the players are still able to keep keep pressing forward and putting using some leverage against, not against, but using some leverage with with the league and with their owners to hopefully like keep doing good, even though they're still on the court. Right. I thought it was really cool um, that they one of the things that's coming out of this before they decided to resume play was that the owners are working with local officials, each team uh, to make their arenas available for voting in November. That was, that was pretty awesome to make it yeah. more accessible for people who live in those cities. Yeah. I think that, I mean, one of the things that came out from, I think Woj might've reported it or champs, but anyway, one of the, one of the things that came out from those meetings was that the players were like, Hey, like, if you guys want basketball, then you have to get in on this too, right? To the owners, like to the league. Like they wanted some effort um, from the owners of the teams. And, you know, that's one of the things that came out of it was that all the owners agreed that they would uh, become voting poll stations. So I think that's important too, right? That they, they, they made the owners accountable, essentially. As we mentioned, uh, it's really exciting that the league is back. Um, we're happy to see the games back on, but more importantly, we stand with the players. Um, if it's necessary to strike again, um, or if there's other leagues need to take a strike again, take a stand, we stand with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, uh, knowing this is so much bigger than any sport or any one game. So thank you for listening. All right, guys, uh, time to talk some basketball. Uh, I think we should start with the... Uh most fun series that's left right now. That's the uh, Thunder versus the Rockets. I think this series has been a blast. I don't know about you guys. At least like the last two games have been. Yeah, my um, my my favorite part of the series 
has been the past two games when OKC's um, even the series to 2-2 against the Rockets. And part of the reason why I think it's been a blast is because just being able to see the juxtaposition between a team like Houston that has a, like, single – has all of its focus on James Harden and everyone else is out. It's just, like, James Harden pick and rolls all day, every day, kicking out for three. That's all they do. Seeing OKC kind of need two games, almost like two and a half games even, to figure out how to play against Houston and seeing like players like Chris Paul kind of start to dissect them over that time and kind of start getting into a groove to like really lead the Thunder's offense and this team to, to two straight wins has been, has been awesome. It's been like a perfect version of kind of watching some more classic old school basketball versus the, the, the new stuff that we get with players like Harden and Doncic and stuff like that. It's been really cool to see. Yeah, Chris Paul is one of my favorite players right now in the league. I mean, he just, like, plays the brand of basketball that you want to see across the league. He's, like, your prototypical, at least years past, point guard, right? Like, that's who you think of. Somebody who's going to get you in the right spots, make the right plays, not going to hurt you, and he's going to be able to score if he needs to. He's, like, built to be the perfect point guard, although albeit a little short. Um, You know who's been really surprising on OKC and that they've kind of uh, I don't want to say unleashed, but he's getting a lot more minutes because they're playing Adams a little less, his Dort. Um, that guy oh, yeah. is going toe-to-toe on defense with Harden, and now it's to the point where um, I think the refs are letting him play him a little more straight up, uh, especially these last two games where he's able to be a little more physical than a typical defender might be because he's earned that respect from the refs. It's been kind of cool to see. Um, I mean, he's a terrible offensive player. But, but he's not damn, he's good that. on defense. No, 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 exactly, yeah. Yeah. Don't you th- – so I want to just stop and analyze that, right? Like, don't you think it's stupid that you need to earn the respect of the refs to get the calls different? <laughs> well, like, I hate yeah. that the refs treat you like a rook too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so especially – what was really frustrating about that – like, I guess it's always been like that in the league, but what's frustrating about players like Harden and – some of the superstars just in general in this league is that like they know how to sell a call and they're not actually getting fouled and it kind of looks like soccer. Um, like it, and it's like, okay, you're, if you're a ref and you watch the tape the next, that night or the next day, aren't you like, okay, Harden's like faking it. I'm not going to call it, but instead they kind of double down and they're like, Oh, like he must be getting fouled again. And it's like, even though yeah. I just watched it and he didn't get touched and I called it in the crucial part of the game, I'm going to call it again. It's like, they don't learn from watching their own tape. It's fascinating because they treat defense like it's – as a defender, it's well, impossible to, def- to actually defend. I don't know how much you believe it, right? But um, what's his name? Tim Donaghy, because he said, like, essentially the, the NBA would give them notes on how to, go- how to call the next game. Mm-hmm. Like, not exact – and the way he said it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, make sure this guy fouls out. It was like, hey, there was a lot of this happening, so be extra, like, specific on calling these types of things. So yeah. I think that's maybe a little bit of what it is. But – I don't know. It's it's kind of ridiculous the way that they're inconsistent sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, there's this one clip with Joey Crawford way back in the day <laughs> where Tim Duncan was like arguing on behalf of like some bench player that they had. I don't remember who, right? But <laughs> Joey Crawford was like, who's that? <laughs> and Tim, he got so pissed that he like brought the guy over and he was like, Joey, this is my teammate X, whatever. <laughs> and he like had him shake hands with Joey Crawford so he could get some calls. Did you see the clip of... God, I think it was. I think it was a, a ref not knowing who James Ennis was. 
there was like a foul against James Ennis at, at, like last week and this ref you know how they're like oh. kind of showing you they were showing you the recorded audio of the refs when they're telling the calls to the booth now so we can kind of stay more engaged as fans as we're watching these games and the ref just like blanked on who James Ennis was just had no idea was uh, it the one so where I, he was yeah. like go ahead <laughs> yeah he was like um foul on whoever I forgot what he said exactly but I did see something like that I just I wonder I wonder how many of these players the refs actually don't know. Like what is what is the list of players that the refs are just like, nah, I'm never gonna learn you. Especially in the playoffs. They should know these guys. There's a limited pool of players. I just And a limited pool of refs. True. Uh, yeah, I've been impressed though with OKC. I mean I, like you said, Josh, it's like such a or, or Juan. Who said that? Like Juan. It was, was it you? Maybe um, maybe Juan. Maybe it was Juan. On Someone. The the difference between the play, like how they play, yeah. is just starking. I hate watching the Rockets play, and I love watching the Thunder play. So it's just a such a mixed bag of a series because of it. I've really loved watching um, Dennis Schroeder really start to start to thrive with this OKC team, and he was he was playing really well in the regular season, but he's continued that in the playoffs as well, and he's really kind of stepped into a to a kick ass uh, sixth man role for this team. Um, what do you guys think of Schroeder? What do you think part of his success is? I have some thoughts, but what do you think? No one can guard him, and they have nobody at the rim to stop him because yeah, the he's Rockets so fast. don't play at centers. Yeah, and Schroeder's then Schroeder so just goes quick. goes right by him. Him and Shea have such a such an advantage, um, and even Chris Paul when he gets past like somebody like Harden who can't guard side to side, he guards straight up. Um, you're you're just out of luck, you know. You have nobody back there. Who's who's back there? PJ Tucker, I guess. Like he can't block. PJ Tucker and Robert Covington. They're yeah. playing power forward and center and right now. Robert Covington. He's off in his own little land. So, especially when he plays with the second unit, I think that's like such a great time to shine for him, right? Like he he's a starter on any mm-hmm. other team. Just just based on like the the roles that they have, right? It makes sense for him to come off of the bench as opposed to starting him next to Chris Paul. But mm-hmm. just he feasts playing against the second unit, and it's it's great. Like it's it's so easy for him. And especially when they don't have a big man in there. So I think that's really important. You know, I think maybe against a, a team with more depth that'll like decrease later on if they win the series. But nonetheless, like the fact that he's going in there and playing big minutes when the starters are out, that's pretty like you, you have a starter out there essentially. Yeah. But no think, think about that though. Um, when, when you're talking about if they win the series, uh, Josh, I'm curious if you think how, how, how the guards would match up against the Lakers guards. I mean, who, who are kind of non-existent. Well, the difference is that the Lakers, the Lakers are a giant team and they are incredibly physical. So mm-hmm. the success that you just talked about, Darcy, with these guards blowing by, these guards for the Thunder blowing by Houston's guards um, and then being able to just do work in the paint because there's no one there to stop them, it's going to be drastically different once mm-hmm. you get KD down there, or not KD, once you get AD down there, once you get LeBron in the mix, once you get even JaVale McGee and, and um, Dwight Howard. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we're going to – if OKC wins, they're gonna, if they could beat the Lakers, it would have to be in a very different way than they are executing against the Rockets right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think – well, I think that the I, – I, I do believe that, like, Chris Paul, for example, as their leader, they'll be smart enough to – still find the inefficiencies in the Lakers defense. So it'll just be different inefficiencies. Um, but so the big 
one of the big talks about the bubble was that like home court advantage was non-existent. It was like, well, why did we work for having a better record to, you know, mm-hmm. have home court or whatever? I don't know how you but guys. But those felt. virtual fans, man. It's everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you guys felt, but when they went down 2-0, I thought it was over. I was like, well, they'll, they'll like take one and then have the gentleman sweep. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that they came back and like won the other two, I, I thought that was impressive because I really felt like the teams that are going to be closer are just going to keep splitting games. Like what, mm-hmm. they'll trade games back and forth until a game six or seven. But I, I just thought it was impressive that they lost the first two and I thought it was over because it wasn't because of home court. And then they came back and dominated the second two. Yeah, it's more of like a run it back situation when you're like playing pickup, you know, like the mentality is just a little different. So mm-hmm. I think it just allows them like there's no, I don't, I don't want to say there's no pressure, but there's no additional pressure from an arena, you know? So it's kind of like you get to play a little more freer. Do you think that the run it back feeling is different than like the comfort of being down 0-2 and then playing at home? Like, do you feel less pressure or more pressure knowing you have like the home crowd and stuff? I guess it depends on the team, you know, like. That's fair. Um, Cause I do feel like there's comfort in, oh, we, you know, we, they took care of business. Now we get to go home and take care of our business that, that there is a comfort there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a team that's mentally tough, so like for the Sixers, that would have been nice for them to be able to go home and then get their bearings. Right. They would have won game three, just like a, a lot of semi-talented teams would for the Thunder who have mentally tough leaders um, like Chris Paul. It doesn't, I don't think it matters as much. And I think it, it's a little more of a, all right, they kicked our ass. Like, let's get back out there and kick their ass, not because of where we're playing, but because of who we are. One key factor for the Rockets moving forward is that um, Russell Westbrook, who has not played this series with a quad injury, is officially going to be playing tomorrow on Saturday in Game 5. Um, how do we think that's going to impact the Rockets? Do we think that's going to really change a lot of things for them, or, or do you think this still is going to keep that kind of run-it-back vibe? I think the Rockets are going to win game five if he's, if he's playing more than 30 minutes, just be just off pure energy. I, I think it'll be an interesting decision for D'Antoni because I believe the Rockets will be better offensively if they play, if they stagger Harden Westbrook's minutes, Mm -hmm. but the advantage that they'd have is if you play them together, I don't think the Thunder have two guys that can guard them both at the same time. Right. I think uh, they can work around it if only one of them plays. But if both of them play, they might have a hard time stopping both. Nonetheless, offensively, I think they diminish their value. Mm -hmm. So it'll be an interesting choice. One of the things that um, I liked what they were doing at some point in – maybe it was in the bubble. I can't remember if it was in the bubble in the regular season uh, where teams would start to double Harden at the top, like right as soon as he crossed half court. And Westbrook served as that – what was traditionally a big man position he was serving like almost like at the free throw line or the three point line, depending on how far the double was extended and then running a four on three. And I thought he was making really good decisions out of that. Um, that so that's a great role for him. Great role. Cause he's so dynamic of a scorer and an athlete, but he's also proven that he's a willing passer, you know, at the end of a play, I wouldn't say he's a willing passer throughout a, a, a shot clock, but at the end of the it's also a that's a great way to keep to keep Westbrook engaged off ball a little bit when he's not coming down with the ball when he first went to Houston and even when he was at um at OKC like he he never moved off ball at all Mm -hmm. he didn't have the ball he was doing nothing and little sets like that are like small ways that Houston can keep him engaged and make sure that he is 
really utilizing all of the skill sets throughout the entire game. Yeah. And anytime you can rely less on Jeff Green and Austin Rivers uh, to handle the ball at all. Yeah, yeah, and Daniel, you're just like <laughs> these players are fine, but they're they're kind of like scrappy, and the fact that they're playing such major minutes for a team that has championship aspirations is like yeah. a joke. Don't forget about Ben McLemore. <laughs> yeah, and he's a, I mean he's a great shooter, so like he's a good story, right? Like he he's perfect for this type of team, but yeah, you shouldn't be playing those people. Those are twenty minute a game people. Like they're ninth men. They they're the oh. last guys off the bench in a playoff series. Um, hey. And, Hey, you like that? And like, you know, once a series, Ben McLemore having a big game out of one out of every seven is like, all right, that's like, that's great. That's good. Like you shouldn't be playing this many minutes. No offense to any of those guys. I know they listen, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I have, I have one quick question for you guys um, real quick. I, before all of the, uh, roster changes for OKC. I thought Billy Donovan wasn't a good coach when he would just let Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook trade possessions. Like, all right, you get the ball, you do your thing. All right, you get the ball, you do your thing. I was like, oh yeah, this guy isn't a good coach. But now I'm like, oh great. Like he's a, he's an amazing coach. He was just smart enough to know he had that much talent. He didn't need to coach them. And now that he has like a uh, young roster, he's all about like creating plays and stuff like that. So I, that's that's been interesting for me, right? Like that he's so malleable as a coach and he does what's best with, based on the players that he has. Speaks to Chris Paul, man. It speaks to Billy Donovan, but it also speaks to Chris Paul's willingness to do those things and want to want to run plays well, that, when yes, Westbrook and Durant don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they, they don't, you know. I can't wait till we get to the Nets Raptors so I can just shit all over Durant. But... <laughs> Do you want to move to Nets Raptors right now? (laughs) Wait, real quick, real quick. Who wins the series? Important. I, I really think with Westbrook Brack that that Houston is going to pull it out. I would rather see OKC win, Um, but I don't know. I feel like Houston's been shooting the ball like semi well, but it has been a little streaky. And Harden really hasn't had a game when he's really taken over yet. I mean, he's put up some stat lines, but he hasn't had a classic Harden game where it's just him full throttle, really taking control. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like if you bring Westbrook back, Harden has two games where he puts up 40 points, like two of those classic Harden performances. If he can do that in the playoffs, um, then I think they're, they're going to pull it out. I think it's a, the Rockets in seven. I agree they'll win game five. I think the Thunder have one more in them, you know? And then I ultimately I think that the talent will – win game seven i'm going thunder seven you're going thunder i thunder think rockets, hey. rockets yeah. Take, yeah, yeah. <laughs> same same thinking as one rockets take take game five i think westbrook and harden have huge games and then game six i think it's really close thunder pull it out game seven rockets fall apart i just don't think they're but mentally they tough to enough to win a game seven i just i don't think this team will be the one that will make them break but yeah, that's fair no i think what'll be fun and like great is that out of the series, like the MVP will be Chris Paul, right? Like he will lose the first round possibly and mm. still be the unsung hero. And that's amazing. Like this is not going to tarnish his legacy in any way. Yeah. That's for sure. All right. What's next, fellas? Raptors Nets. Raptors Nets. Raptors Nets. Let's do it real quick. Yeah. Can I get on my soapbox real quick? I was talking to Juan. Uh, Let's do it. Early, it I don't know when that was, Juan. Earlier in the week. 
about Did it, like um, a few days ago dude when we were okay so what's really frustrating josh is that both Kyrie and kd and deandre jordan all in my mind healthy decided not to come and not to play stayed home let their scrubs take take the beating right and they have they have it's a good set of role players and with those three, I think they would have had a good shot of one winning the series and two going a little further. Um, and it just speaks volumes to their, I'm just not their biggest fans and their lack of leadership and their lack of willingness to even give it a go, even though they claim that they like, they all they want to do is hoop. Well, and the crazy thing, like bouncing off of that is, God, I can't believe I just said bouncing off of that. It's like a Zoom class. Oh um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to piggyback, piggyback off that. <laughs> Skip. The Nets, the Nets have been a really fun team to watch in the bubble and, and in these playoffs. And they have been fun because they have had, not scrubs as players, but they have had these unproven guys who have really been stepping up and mm-hmm. stepping up to the occasion on this big stage and, and they have been hooping. They've been doing just some some really clean, fun mm-hmm. basketball things. And we're going to see such a different version of that once Katie and Kyrie are back. You know, the, 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 the way that this team has been running their offense and playing on defense is going to change dramatically once the two superstars are back next year. And I love watching Katie and Kyrie play, but I also love – just watching really good basketball that's really fluid and that's filled with movement that has all movement. the players on the court involved. And, yeah. and yeah, it does, it does suck that we're not going to see that same effect once these players from the Nets aren't um, in the limelight. Yeah. Well, I think an important question too will be who stays, right? Because uh, Darcy and I were talking about how they're probably going to ship Karis LeVert out, out, you know, like with those two guys, he just won't be a good fit. He's too ball dominant. He's too ball dominant. And I think, you know, in small, like if he's willing to be ball dominant like 10 times a game as opposed to like 25, Mm -hmm. then maybe he can stick around. But I don't know that that's what they're going to want to do. It'll be, it'll be interesting because I think they are going to have to change that roster around. And then I think it'll depend who their coach is as well. Right. Like there's no way they stick with Jock Vaughn. Right. I see like what, what's, what you like to see about Jack Bond, and I thought he was a terrible coach before this, and he's turned a corner. Um, and it, maybe it's just because of the roster and their willingness to buy into him, but he's actually running an offense. Like you were saying, Josh, like there's a lot of movement, there's plays being drawn up, and the team is buying into him where it wasn't taking place before when he was in Orlando or in Phoenix. Um, but yeah, I, that's not going to happen with KD and Kyrie. So what does I can't imagine that they're going to want him back or if they do he's just a, you know just like any of these coaches he's just kind of like a puppet because figurehead besides for the top five coaches or you know five six however many you want to call it everyone else is just kind of you're hoping for a net a net zero um, yeah not a net negative I think for that reason alone uh Tyron Lu would be a great fit because he's like the perfect puppet players like him and he lets them do what they want yeah and it seems like I guess behind the scenes, what people say, but he'll say something at least, which I think some of these players need to hear. I don't know how much of that is true, but yeah, I mean, Jared Allen's a free agent, I think, or about to be. Um, Lavert, I'm sure, is gonna gonna be gone. 
Joe Harris is a free agent. Joe, Joe Harris, they're going to keep. I, they need to. Like, I think they'll pay him overpay. anything almost, yeah. Because uh, he's exactly the type of player that every single team wants, um, including the Sixers. What's up, Joe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, and Jared Allen's one of those players that I would love too because he's just, you know, the team's like straight out of the 70s, man. I mean, you see Jared Allen and like Spencer Dinwiddie and like it's like you're watching Dr. J play with these Mets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're going to want to play DeAndre Jordan, who's going to play like 30 games and get hurt. You know, it's just ah, crazy. Not looking forward to it. Wait, let's get off our soapbox and swing it over to the <laughs> to the Raptors, who did sweep the, the series. Team. The winning team. They won 4-0. Uh, they beat the Nets 150 to 122 in Game <laughs> Four. 150 points in a playoff game. Can you imagine thinking that even 10 years ago yeah. that, that was possible? I made the um, joke to Darcy. I I told him I was like, imagine telling a squad like t- exactly 10 years ago, like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna score 122 points but you're going to get blown out. <laughs> yeah, it's like the 70s and 80s scores, man. Like the late 70s, they used 80s, to play like that. Showtime. Yeah. Fast. I mean, I think next year we might see the fastest pace in history. Yeah. Like faster than the 80s. It's crazy. What do we, what do we think the Raptors are going to do next round against the Celtics? Um, we didn't talk much about the Celtics at all last pod, I don't think. And we didn't talk much about the Raptors either, since this is all pretty fresh. But yeah. what are we expecting yeah. from from the series? I think it'll honestly rely on whether or not Tatum can like how quickly he'll convert into like that superstar we all think he has the potential to be. Right? I I want to see like games in the fourth quarter where it just comes down to like Tatum's like give me the ball and he just gets you a bucket. Right? And I don't know if he's there yet or not. He sometimes he flashes it, sometimes he doesn't. I'm like one of the huge like Tatum fans like. I love his game, right? It's mm-hmm. it's so two thousands, and I think that's yeah. why it's really fun. But the Raptors are so good as a team, man. Like that defense is incredible. So I think that one's gonna go six or seven for sure. I could see the Raptors beating the Celtics. Honestly, the Celtics have looked good, but they're one of those teams that just, their potential is so high, but we haven't seen them reach it yet, right? I, I don't know what it is, but they have so much talent, yet they don't play at the level that you think they should. Mm-hmm. I still blame Kyrie. It's the lingering one year later effect of having Kyrie on that team. <laughs> I don't even I think, think so. It, injuries have decimated this team, right? Like with Hayward not being able to stay healthy and then Walker, you're kind of not sure if he's going to be able to keep it together. Uh, but when they're healthy, they look good. I think the Raptors take it in five though. I don't think what? they have the depth. I don't think they have the depth. I think they're going to be close games, but Fair. like, I think it's going to be a really well fought series and really well played series. I just think the Raptors um, are, are just a much better team. I think Tatum's amazing. I think Brown's amazing. Walker, I fucking love watching him. Like if I if, if it wasn't the Celtics and they had any other name on their jersey, I'd be like rooting really hard for them. Um, <laughs> I hate you know like I I hate to say that, but that's just true. The only person I can't stand is Marcus Smart. But too much Brad think, Brad Wanamaker and you know yeah. I gosh I. I would love to see the Celtics flourish because I really do think that they haven't, they haven't played their best basketball yet. And if they do play their best basketball, which I would like to see, I think they're going to win. But I honestly, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I, I, I kind of expect the Raptors to keep up this, this title defense from last year and just keep rolling and keep playing their game. Um, 
as much as we love Tatum and as much as we think he can hopefully just start going off, um, the, the Raptors have got guys. They've got OG and Anobi, who's always been one of my favorites. They've got Pascal Siakam to throw at, um, at Tatum. They, they've got Norman Powell, who's been fucking incredible in these playoffs mm-hmm. and has just been super physical and, and super unafraid with the ball. Um, very open. All these guys I'm trying to have been so open to attack and attack mm-hmm. and attack. And that's what the Celtics have not been able to do. Um, and then you got the kid uh, Davis, too. He's been playing really well. And he isn't oh, Terrence Davis. For them. Yeah, yeah he, he looks great. The the rookie, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know if this, the Raptor or the Celtics have enough big guys either. They really miss, uh, in my opinion, they miss Baines and they miss Horford. Canner's as much sucks. as I want to. Yeah, Canner <laughs> Canner's good for a bucket down low, but he's terrible otherwise. He's so bad defensively, and he's big. I, re- like he's I remember athletic. at the end of the at the end of the Philly and Boston series. Wait, shit. Who's the cut this Embiid? out? Who's, no, the um, Celtics guy. Definitely leaving this in. Cantor. Bain. Tice. <laughs> Tice, Tice, that's right. Yeah. Um, Tice was playing super physical D against against Embiid, and yeah. as usual, Embiid was kind of floundering and looked tired and couldn't kind of <laughs> yeah. couldn't handle the heat. And Tice ended up fouling out. And the minute that I saw um, that I saw Brad Stevens bring in Enos Cantor, I was like, "Shit, this is it. This is Embiid's chance to shine." Mm-hmm. And Obviously, Embiid still didn't shine because he was Embiid. But I was I was astounded by like how when I remembered how bad Enos Kanter's defense was. It's yeah. really bad. He's not a guy that you can throw in there to help support the rest of the team on the back end in any way. Um, yeah. So yeah, he, just, he looks lost, dude. He's like terrible defender. <laughs> just like just couldn't say enough bad things about him. Yeah, yeah. It's just like he, like you can make the simplest move if you're like facing him up and you jab once and you go one way. He's like. <laughs> Oh wow! I didn't know you could. It's like he doesn't know you're allowed to do that. He's like so I mean, shocked. Stevens definitely like just in his head. He's like, damn! I wish I could play Tice forty minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wish he had infinite fouls. He's uh, oh. Tice. Tice is the new Anderson. Uh, Bird, An- Big Bird. Oh my God! What was his oh, name? Oh, Chris, Chris Anderson. Chris Anderson. Chris Anderson. Chris Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Birdman. Birdman. That's his name. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Did you say? Did you say? Um, how many games, Josh? Because you said Raptors, right? But I said I Raptors. I think it'll go six or seven. I think it'll be I tight. Just, I desperately want the six, the Celtics to be down by six, and then Tatum just like wills them to a win. Yeah, you know? or Kemba. I want to see They're that. Both got it in them. Well, we've seen Kemba Kem- do it. Yeah, yeah. we've yeah. seen Kemba do it, right? And he's done it on like the worst of teams with Charlotte. So I know he can do it, but I, I want Tatum to be like Kemba. Give me the ball. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to see it. I, I love those players, so and I love Jalen Brown. So maybe it'll be their coming out party, and I'll be completely wrong. So I'm okay I, the thing way. is, I don't think you guys are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I got Raptors in seven. Respect Raptors in five. What's next? What do we got? What's Why don't we oh. talk a bit of the uh, Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets? Hop back to the series that's still going on. Um, I know we talked about how exciting the 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 Thunder and Rocket series is, but this Jazz um, Nugget series has also been incredible, and it's been highlighted by Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray just going at it and going back and forth and really stepping up game after game after game and putting their teams on their back to 
to keep propelling each of their teams to hopeful victory. Um, Jamal Murray pulled away last game in game five and put up 42 points, eight boards, eight assists. Um, everything was running through his hands in crunch time and Utah just couldn't keep up. So the Nuggets now have a three to two lead over the Jazz. How do you guys think this is going to play out? What's game six going to look like? The Jazz have a three to two lead over the Nuggets. Oh, you're right. That's my bad. Yeah. yeah I can't no, but read. That's all right. <laughs> um, so we'd been talking about this before. And once I thought the Nuggets were going to win like in six or something. And then once they went down 3 1, I thought it was over. Right. I was mm-hmm. like, all right, like they might even lose game five. But after seeing that game, well, I guess to break down the game a little bit, like the first half was just Jokic, right? He had 23 or 25 points in the first half and everyone else was asleep. It was a five on one game. It was horrible. Like I felt really bad for the guy. (laughs) And then in the second half, Jamal Murray came alive and then it was the Jamal Murray show. And I I liked them so much in the fourth, like the the way that they played that I feel like the Nuggets can take this now. I feel like they can win the next two. Don't you feel like their roster is better? Yes. You know, I, like I, yeah, when I look at the roster, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Like, I mean, besides for Donovan Mitchell, um, who's one of the top three players in the series, some wherever you want to put him, um, and playing out of his mind. You do, what? What? How many more players do the Nuggets have before you get to Gobert, Murray, Jokic? You could probably put a one or two other guys in there before you get to him, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and then after that. Conley's, I guess, their next best player, or Ingles. I liked, I liked the ja- the Jazz roster in theory. Um, I thought that the moves that they made in the offseason were amazing, right? Like mm-hmm. the fact that they were able to get Bogdanovich. And Conley, is, yeah. Yeah, and right. Well, well they, they traded for Conley, right? And then they, they snagged Bogdanovich in free agency. But anyway, yeah, the fact that yeah. they were able to retool their roster in, on paper, I thought this roster was going to be Same. absolutely amazing. The fact that they lost Bogdanovich to injury, that's pretty crucial. But like the whole eight games for the Jazz was figuring out who like their seventh man was going to be, right? Mm -hmm. Like their their rotation right now is pretty crappy because none of the guys panned out the way. Like like you can tell that – what's his name? What's the Jazz coach? I can't remember his name right now. Snyder. Snyder. Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder. He like does not want to play Moody eight, but he's forced to every time. (laughs) He's like, shit, I have no other option. That's bad. You like, honestly, I'm surprised Moody is still on a roster. So, he's still 19, though. <laughs> he's still 19. <laughs> he's only 19. <laughs> he's only 19. Um, but I think, I think Mike Malone started making some adjustments to the Nuggets. Finally, um, yeah, finally, <laughs> finally, five games in when they were down three to one. Um, yeah. But so Jokic. Jokic is an all-star and a borderline superstar player, but he cannot play defense at at all. He's he's so susceptible to being attacked on defense. And Rudy Gobert was owning him um, (laughs) in a bunch of these games to start the series. And Mike Malone finally decided to stop playing Jokic on Gobert. Yeah, thank you. He's, he's He's been burying Jokic on... Like players like Royce O'Neal and like players like that who are like offensive yeah, non-factors to the Jazz, yeah. and has finally let some like 
just better defensive players step up to kind of give Gobert a harder time. And some small changes like that, I think, really helped in in this past game that we just saw. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah, it's if, if they keep doing those small things and if, if, if Denver just maximizes their talent. We just – they have most talent. If they just maximize their talent, mm-hmm. I think they can come back. But they'd be coming down from – they be coming back from being down three one, and that's no easy feat. And I don't, I don't realistically know if that is something that's just going to happen, even if it feels like it could. I think the good thing about being in the bubble for the Nuggets and being down three, or any team being down three one, is that you don't have to go back and forth, right? There's, again, it's going back to like that run it back theory. It's like we can we beat you once, or we can beat you again, and it doesn't matter where we play. Um, and in this case, we don't have any – there is no pressure in, in, in a particular arena. It's just we're rolling b- back the ball. We're seeing the same faces, same people are on the sidelines, except for those virtual fans who get out of hand. Um, and I think if the Nuggets can balance – this is a big ask of Mike Ballone. If the Nuggets can balance Michael Porter Jr.'s minutes to the point where he doesn't he's – a, he's a net positive because he can be. He's, his defense is not good. He, he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. But on offense, he's such a gifted player that I think they need to play him close to 30 minutes. They need to find that wherever that line is. I just don't know if you can, like... Can't play him at the end of the game. And it, it, it's so hard to have him and Jokic on the floor at the same time defensively. And yeah. I, know, I, know, I know Denver won this last game, but one of the like glaring things that I saw from Denver was... Like just how bad Michael Porter Jr. played in some of his spots in mm-hmm. in Game Five, and MPJ was a non-factor in in Denver winning that game, right? So yeah. so I'm not sure if you if you take away if you take away Jokic being able to be exploited on defense by placing him on on a weaker offensive player, what is there left to do for a player like Michael Porter Jr.? Like how yeah. how much can you hide these guys collectively together? No, that's why you get Tory Craig in there. Yeah, th- that's the thing, right? <laughs> so like Tory Craig and Jerry and Grant playing more minutes, I don't think is necessarily the answer. Even even in the Blue short Martin. term, you know, like that's in the long term, it certainly isn't. You need Michael Porter Jr. is capable of being a a at least a net zero defender in the future. Um, like he's but not, not Jokic. Yeah, maybe not now, but but if he can outplay himself on the offensive end. Yeah. Hiding two guys is tough. Is the problem is like tough, every yeah. every team knows how to hide one guy, right? Like there's a guy that's worth hiding, right? In that case, it's Jokic, mm-hmm. you know. But hiding two is tough, right? Like that's that's asking a lot. Like your yeah. help defense is gone at that point, even if you have them on the two least often like offensively potent players. Mm-hmm. Your any help defense is is eradicated at that point. You know the switches won't be clean. Help defense won't be there. Like. I, I think I think you move him maybe to the bench and you just like when Jokic sits, that's his time to shine, which which is probably good for him also, right? So he can move uh, yeah. ball a little bit more. Better spacing, right? yeah. Yeah, but you effectively have to sit him down the last five minutes of the game because I definitely I just have to do that. These last games are going to be close, right? Yeah. They're, they're going to be nail biters, I think. But can he give you? I agree. You can't play him at the end of the game because you're going to want Jokic out there. But can he give you the 25 minutes of quality play where he's kind of filling in the gaps? 25 minutes, 20 points, stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. But efficiently too, right? Because I could totally see him going <laughs> yeah. off against the yeah, second yeah, yeah. unit and just like 
<laughs> shooting nine for like <laughs> nine for 22 or something. Nah, Malone will pull him so fast. Malone's the guy, if you interview Malone and like, you don't know this until he's in your office, but before when you're interviewing him, he's like, I have really strong values. And then you get him in his, in your office and like, you're actually like, you've hired him and he's working for you for a couple of months. And now it's like, this guy's a fucking dick. And he just like, doesn't let <laughs> up about his values. He like has such strong principles. You're like, okay, well I can't even like have a conversation with you. That's Mike Malone. Fair enough. So I feel like he would take Porter out after like one bad jump shot, let alone 20. So <laughs> I didn't play all year. If he had been playing all year, he might've been able to play and be some, be like rotating on defense. He wouldn't be. A... Think... Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I don't think he deserved minutes during the year. I just, I think it goes Why? back to this. Uh, I think, I think he had the, Sorry, Craig needed the minutes. <laughs> no, I think the nuggets weren't interested in player development, right? They were interested in winning. Right. And, Winning no, what? Winning what? No, what I'm saying is I, I see it from like the Spurs perspective a few years ago, right? It's like, yeah, you might have a rookie that has or a, a second year player that has the potential to be really good, but mm-hmm. that's not our priority right now. Like learn and practice and then when you're ready, you'll get some you'll get some PT, right? And I think that's what happened with Porter. With, I think it's yeah. not that he could have done this all season. I think and it's something, Darcy, that you brought up that all these young guys had a full off season to develop, right? And yeah, he just months. got better after four months of not playing. Yeah, like, no, I agree with that. I, I just seeing studying film. The the, the, I don't think the Nuggets to me the Nuggets to me don't didn't and do not have championship aspirations. I, I guess that's where we disagree. I I always saw them as a contender this year. Uh, I think they're I just, a guy away. They're a guy away. Yeah, he's sitting on their bench. He needs to be developed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, and my, my, I guess my point would be they could still win. So let's say they lose four more games. Right. And that's a lot. That's a lot in the West. So they might be from, I don't know where they, what are they, the four or the five They'd seed. Or, seven. So that's a big difference. Right. But you would have somebody who might be a little more developed. And I'm saying they lose the four games that they play Michael Porter Jr. More. Right. Um, and maybe it's that's not that many, game. but it is a dangerous game. Cause four, Hey, four can turn into 10. And then all of a sudden you're one of the teams fighting for the eight seed. Yeah, no, you're right. It is a dangerous game. But I think if they're not willing to develop him or to, you got to trade him then. You know, they've sh- he's shown enough now that you should trade him next year if you're not willing to invest in him, invest the time but, in him. But don't I, I just do think it comes down to like pretend none of this happened, right? Like COVID, and then it was just a regular season. He he doesn't play. We don't see him shine. I think what we saw during the bubble games is what we would see next season if this was a regular like off season. You know what I mean? So that's why I think it's justified. I don't think that they necessarily held him back. I just think he he probably wasn't ready. I mean, I don't know, right? I don't know what they yeah, saw, yeah. what they didn't see. But well, he, I think it's we an saw enough coach. young guys. Yeah, He is, right? And I think we saw enough young guys in the bubble who played way better than they did during the regular season yeah. for me to make the analysis that it was, it was an off-season growth spurt, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mike Malone's playing the seniors, and I – admire that <laughs> until it gets you fired so you admire uh, it until I, you're the sophomore i, I know it's hard the minutes yeah yeah i know it's hard to play the freshman sometimes but when they're ultra talented early in the season i don't know i would had to look back at like how he performed throughout the season i thought he had some good games but there were certain of course there were times where he didn't play at all so i don't know i don't know what the exact answer is i just feel like he should have settled the time. debate josh settle it um, I'm actually not going to settle it, and I'm going to use this opportunity to transition, <laughs> jump off of the idea of Mike Malone being fired to the idea of Nate Mick 
million being fired from the Pacers and get us to talk about the Miami Heat versus um, Indiana Pacers series that is now over. Uh, the Heat swept the Pacers, right? I did not get this one wrong this time. That's correct. What do you mean? Um, the Pacers won, and then he got fired. <laughs> Wait, real quick, though. Juan, what did we say about McMillan? Where did I say he should go? Or he oh, would like... crap. I know, now I forget. Because we definitely talked about it. Oh, the Kings, the Kings. The Kings, if they fired Walton, yeah. thought he'd be yeah, good the, fit there. If, yeah, you they better not they fire Walton. Him. They should. <laughs> For another pod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, shameless, shameless plug, though, if um, you're enjoying this podcast and you want to um, consume more of our content, you can head over to lastguysoffthebench.com and read a recent article posted by Darcy Fraley, which discusses the Sacramento Kings and their exit from the bubble and their future uh, in the NBA next year. You're welcome, Darcy. And Juan's uh, Spurs article. Our pod is sponsored by our website. Look at that. <laughs> and Miller Lite. <laughs> not Budweiser Natural Reserve Gold Can beer. and Coors the Banquet Beer <laughs> <laughs> um, for um, legal reasons we're not sponsored by any of those beers <laughs> <laughs> don't send a cease and desist alright <laughs> anyways Miami Pacers um, such the only an story- firing but regardless the only story in this series is Miami winning and and mm. I think we, we need to talk about what Miami can do in the next round of the playoffs, which is going to be against the Milwaukee Bucks. Even though the Bucks haven't finished the series yet, um, it's going to be Milwaukee versus Miami. And what do we think that's going to look like? All right, let, let me start. because uh, So I'm an avid daily listener of the Dan Lebetard show, which is uh, based in Miami. So I hear so much heat talk. And like my heat fans are so delusional, man. They really think <laughs> this team is going to win the title. Like, Look, I will concede to you that Spolstra is a really good coach. This Heat team has incredibly overperformed. They have a lot of talent, a lot of young guys that can play big minutes. But to think that this series is going to go more than six is like ridiculous. I just I think that they're going to put up a fight, right? They're a good team. They're going to put up a fight. A lot of the games are going to be close. But I don't think Bam Adebayo at any point is going to stop Giannis. Like, he might give him some trouble or something. But, I, you know, this is a team, for example, Miami's based on, like, shooters right now, right? They have a lot of three-point shooters. And I think that the Bucks can match up well with that. And I don't think Bam's going to give Giannis as much trouble as, like, the Heat think he is. That's the key point. The Bucks match up really well with the Heat. Like, they, you could say the same thing for the Heat if you're a Heat well, fan, right? That's what the Heat but, say. They're like, we match up heat, so great. The thing is, the Heat – at every position, the Heat aren't as talented, mm-hmm. except for Jimmy Butler's. That's the only one. But any other position, you could say that the Bucks are more talented, including their bench players. They're deep. I think deep. what's wild. I think so. Are the Heat, on the, I've caught myself yeah. personally kind of underrating the Bucks after this round one because that that Milwaukee and Magic series, aside from the Magic's miraculous win in Game One, mm-hmm. which like shouldn't that's not emblematic of how the Bucks can actually play uh, good for that, that game. game every year um but like aside from that game that's been a pretty quiet series that has not been what we've been talking about the most or even watching the most I haven't tuned into those games very much because it just hasn't been a priority for me because I've known what the series is going to be and I think a lot of people are not talking about the Bucks right now but they are talking about Miami 
because Miami has kind of outperformed their expectations and is looking like an awesome team. And they are really young and they are pretty deep and they are built like a team that could theoretically make a surprising run in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. uh, especially with how well coached they are. But yeah, I think, yeah, like you guys said, the underlying point is that they're built like a team that can succeed in the playoffs and make a run. But Milwaukee is built just like that and is frankly just better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, and a freight how, train, freight train with Giannis. You know, it's not like yeah. Butler can get to the rim like Giannis can. Butler is a great shot maker, right? But mm-hmm. he he's not like getting to the rack. He's like he's beating you off the dribble and pulling up. And I forget how. Good one. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. All right. Um, that's the thing though that like his game has dramatically changed, right? I think he got so focused on you know sharing the ball and being a distributor, that type of leader that. His jump shot sucks now. Like he's not efficient at all. So he gets his point, right? Like he's not yeah. scoring that much right now. His role is more so just like drawing the defense and he scores mm-hmm. like 18 to 20 points a game max. Yeah. But he can't shoot that well anymore. I think, and he's become almost a Rosen where he just completely avoids the three. Yeah. So I think that can be neutralized, especially since he can't go to the rack. I think also think it's important that like Heat fans, for example, will look at Adebayo as like a Giannis stopper. But no one considers that like Adebayo will also be neutralized on the offensive end, right? With Giannis guarding him, so I think he loses that battle ultimately. He's not going to be able to stop Giannis. Maybe he'll slow him down a little bit, but I looked up some quick stats for Jimmy Butler. Um, he shot, he had two three-point attempts per game in the regular season, and he shot 24% from three in the regular season as well. And I remember explicitly when when a lot of the the Jimmy Butler versus um, who's the Pacers player? T.J. Warren. T.J. Warren. T.J. Warren. Yeah. When a lot of the Butler versus Warren hype was was popping off at the beginning of the series, um, people were making such a big deal about about Butler hitting these shots in in Warren's face. But I think the bigger deal wasn't even that he was hitting these shots in Warren's face. It was just that he was like taking threes for once and actually making them mm-hmm. and, and again when you like the the bucks are a great defensive team and and you're you're not going to be able to three is not going to be able to go off and just make all those like shot creation opportunities against this bucks team because they're so big and they're so long and they're going to be able to to put a stop to that stuff and really attack butler on defense yeah it's it's too bad that they're matched up against the bucks because i think they would give the raptors and the um Celtics, Celtics a run for their money, especially the Celtics. Miami's outside shooting would 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 really it wouldn't wreck the Raptors or the Celtics, but like that would allow them to kind of get an upper hand. Yeah, and it's a little more yin and a yang, right? Like those teams play very different than I than the Heat and the Bucks, in my opinion. Yeah. So what are we saying? Are we saying Bucks in five, Bucks in six? What do we think? I think five Bucks or six. What like I think, think the, I think the Heat will play tight. They're gonna, it's gonna be closer games than we might realize, at least a few times. So I, I could see them winning at least one, maybe two. I could see it I going agree. six. I hope it goes six. I would like to see a couple exciting like Heat wins in the mix there, but um, a couple Tyler Hero games. Yeah, yeah. a couple of Duncan Robinson games, unstoppable. Yeah. I think um, 
so this heat team is looking to sell right like they're trying to get a <laughs> wait, wait hold on a second he's like a hybrid of uh tim duncan and uh david robinson you know just like duncan robinson <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's the wait, third jk he's is the a... exact opposite of them <laughs> he's he nothing is. like that at all <laughs> this is important though um before you had seen him right before you saw a picture of duncan robinson and you heard of duncan robinson did you think he was white or did you think he was black i thought he was black josh um i always knew he was a white guy oh, okay because <laughs> was it because i remember i remember um no i remember him in college <laughs> oh okay see i didn't know him in college so where did he I play in him, college colgate um he played oh, for michigan oh really he was i didn't Spartan know that. or which or no, wolverine no, Michigan Wolverine. He was on that 2018 championship team for Michigan. What? I didn't know that. Wait, is that right? They won the championship 2018, right? Wow, we're going on a hard detour here. Oh, he was a D3 guy at first. That sounds about right. And then, yeah, he played for uh, Michigan Wolverines. You're right. You're right. Anyway. Oh, Michigan yeah. did lose the championship that year, but I just remember him being on that stage and, and, he and looks rocking like- it in the tournament. He looks like a prototypical like <laughs> guy you see at the championship <laughs> NCAA <laughs> Division Three like Championship. The, <laughs> he looks like the guy who would have an awesome March Madness run, but then tank in the NBA. So he frankly has exceeded expectations because I wouldn't have expected him to to start in the G League and pop off there and get moved up to the to the like actual NBA and now be a legitimate role player in the playoffs. It's awesome. It's a great it's story. The, it's yeah. the Kyle guy trajectory. I'm telling you, Kyle guy is going to, he's going to kill it next year. Granted, Kyle, he was, you know, Duncan Robinson had a, I think a cooler story coming from division three. Kyle guy played for Virginia, but. Do you enough. guys think so. the Milwaukee Bucks are still the favorites in the East? Yeah. I, I'm not buying into the Raptors or the Celtics dethroning them, to be honest. I don't know, man. I, I don't feel that great about the Bucks. I just think the East is really weak right now. But I, th- I think the Raptors could give them even though, for their money. Even though it's the strongest it's been in years? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't mean record-wise, but, like, just there aren't a lot of uh, – I guess it's not star-driven in the same way. Like, yeah. Giannis is clearly the best player um, amongst these teams that are left. I don't think it's close. Right. Like if you can, um, like the Raptors and the Heat, for example, where it's just like a bunch of a bunch of guys contributing. Bunch of really awesome players that I would love to have on my team, but they don't have, in my mind, a number one that can be the best player on a championship team. Um, although, with that said, I do think, I think the Raptors will give the Bucks a run for their money. That's the matchup we get, and I could see them. I could see them winning because I think I think the Bucks have something to prove. I I just think that we saw that last year right and theoretically Giannis is better and I like even last year I just I just don't think if you take Kawhi out of the picture they should have won last year I guess my point is are 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 they gonna get over that hump mentally well I think they can with Kawhi out of the picture is my point (laughs) but uh, um I don't know I guess real real quick before we move on how do you guys feel about the Pacers like is that a team that should try to run it back um how well can Warren and like Warren got the the taste of being the guy, right? How well can he mesh with an Oladipo that's like a hundred percent healthy again? I'm trading Warren right away. Yeah, because yeah. because oh, he has value right now. He has value, and I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's that type of player. I think he's good, but 
Yeah. Um, so I, I think fair. he's going to want a lot more shots, and I don't think he's worth giving those shots, getting those shots away from Oladipo or Brogdon. But I'd run it back otherwise with Sabonis healthy. Sabonis. I would love to run it back. I, I, I am worried that um, Oladipo might not get back to his peak form that we saw two years ago um, after his injury. But I, like, if he gets back to that form, if he gets back to be a I don't want to say top 10 player in the league, but top 15 player in the league. And, and Sabonis was like a – God, Sabonis was like a top 25 player in the league this year. He was, he was feeling incredible. Yeah, he's um, not his dad, but he's trying. Then if – I mean, Brogdon, Brogdon is one of my favorite players in the league. I loved Brogdon when he was on Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and I, I still wish that Milwaukee play, paid Brogdon instead of um, Bledsoe. Bledsoe. Like, I, uh, that still haunts me, and I'm not even – remotely a Bucks fan at all um but I love the players on those team and and I would it's worth running it back they haven't had their chance yet and they need their they need their chance to shine and it's another year for like I think Aaron Holiday is very capable um so like if if Oladipo does take a step back or if he needs you know if he gets hurt like he's good insurance to have um yeah I really like their roster and Juan like we were talking about uh, earlier in the week just how teams just tend to blow it up too quick um and the idea of like keeping things together for a little bit longer this is one the type of market that should do that like indiana is not going to be pulling in major free agents they get the tj mcconnell's and the doug mcdermott's of the world um and the brogdon's um and two i think this roster is good enough that they can grow together right i agree i think um I think they should run it back. I agree that they should trade Warren um, simply just because the fit probably isn't that great if he wants the ball that much again and his value is at the highest it's going to be right now. The mm-hmm. question is, you know, what kind of, like, what are, you, what are you trying to get in return, right? Like, are you trying to get a veteran or another young guy? You know, I don't know. But I think that they could get something for him right now. This is a yeah. cliche answer because every team is looking for this, but like a really solid three and D wing. Yeah, you're Joe um, and Harris. You're Joe Harris, or you're upgraded yeah. Doug McDermott. Yeah, yeah, a starter worthy Doug McDermott, I guess. Yeah, but that's the thing, though, is how many like the Nets don't do it, right? Well, assuming he wasn't a free agent, like the Nets don't do that. How many worthy Joe Harris's are there out there? And maybe it's just freeing up the minutes for somebody like Doug McDermott to to play a little more. You know more. what, though. You think the trade? I think the Lakers would would trade Danny Green for him. No, no. Yeah, I think they would. Yeah, he's been trashed for them this season. Not trashed, but like he's he hasn't inconsistent. Been he always, was. he's always like that. I feel like every year he plays like that. Yeah, I, I know that firsthand. Switch. Yeah, but my point is, for example, Lakers fans have this expectation of like he better make the ball every time he shoots it, right? Yeah, and like I think the Pacers would value the defense that he brings right more than the offense because it that's the type of guy where it's like hey if he has an open shot you live with the results like that's all you can do yeah i'd rather have danny green than warren for the lakers but if i needed i can't think of a good team that really needs somebody who can like get up a few shots probably some terrible team that i'm not thinking of i think the i think the lakers would be interested in that trade though what do you think josh viable or nah um, I I don't think that Danny Green is the player that Indiana would want. Yeah. Um, 
but again, I don't know. Again, I don't know how many other young three and D players are actually out there on the market and available. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you try to secure um, a pick in this year's draft. I mean, this is a pretty, um, pretty deep draft this year. It's not very top heavy. It's 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 pretty spread out with its um, talent in the first round, and maybe you can get into like a. I don't know, pick 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there and, and draft one of those th- three and D guys and get someone else um, to help bolster that core around Oladipo and around Brogdon and Sabonis. Um, and on a cheaper contract. Yeah, I would yeah. love to see that. but That's true. To be determined. Speaking of Danny Green, let's hop over to the Lakers and have a little combo about the Lakers and Portland. Um, the Lakers are up 3-1. They um, just won game four against um, the Trailblazers on Monday, 135 to 115. What have we learned about the Lakers in this series? Have we seen anything new? Have we learned anything different? Do we have any, like, change in opinion of them as far as being – as far as they're standing in the the West? I think for me it's a reminder that they're the best team in the West. I think they're the best team in the league. So I had I picked them to win the the chip at the beginning of the year. I haven't wavered on that. I think the Clippers don't have their shit together and haven't all season. Yeah, I, I like what me, the Lakers are doing, man. I, I like yeah. that LeBron can take a night off. He had, what, what was that? <laughs> he had like ten points to one game, and they still won by I don't know ten or whatever that was. I think it was a little closer to that game, but yeah. I if anything, well. I think the first thing that this says to me is like people were too hyped up about the Blazers, right? Like that's a team that plays zero defense, like horrible on defense. And they finally met a team that's, you know, especially in a series, like that's worthy, right? That knows how to play defense that will give them a a tough time that, that are big. But I'm still a little concerned that the Lakers don't look great yet. Right. You know, maybe you could say, well, look at them not playing that well and they're still up three one, but I'm afraid that like once the competition gets heavier, you know, stronger that they won't turn it up. You know, that's, that's my concern right now. I, I think LeBron is playing it close, taking a game off already, like in the playoffs, you know, it's, it's not the time to be messing around with that. And I think we've seen enough of the Pels that I don't trust a Lakers team that has to rely on Davis that much. So I mean, Davis. Davis has Davis has never been the problem for his playoff teams, though. Like I, I can't remember a bad game that Davis has had in the playoffs. I feel like he's always going off in the playoffs, and I feel like he's been nothing but reliable. And he's he hasn't been in situations that his team's been able to back him up. And now with the Lakers, he's finally in that spot where he can put up a thirty-point game with fifteen boards, and it can actually mean something. And the only team that he played on that won a series was against that the Blazers team a couple of years ago and they yeah. were the sixth seed. They shouldn't even they weren't the better team. Yeah. Well, I, just, I, think, I mean it's I think it just also goes back to the Blazers playing zero defense. But anyway, uh <laughs> no, no what what I'm trying to say though is that like I I guess I didn't mean it as like, oh Anthony Davis is an inefficient thirty point scorer and like doesn't deserve those touches. I just kinda meant it as like we've seen what a a roster what a team looks like with Davis having to do that being the best player right so 
LeBron can't take these games off is what I'm saying because LeBron putting 10 points is the same as like any other scrub. I don't think he was taking a game off though. I I just, maybe I didn't say it right, but I I feel like he was just kind of like, I'm going to let, let Davis do his thing and I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back. I thought he had a lackadaisical game and I'm okay with LeBron taking a step back. Right. I'm okay with it being one and one as opposed to one and two. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's the whole point. LeBron knows he needs someone to compliment him at this stage in his career. He can't be doing that every day. Yeah. But it felt, I don't want to say half-assed, but I was a little worried with that performance, right? Like, how often do you see LeBron putting up 10 points? He, LeBron puts up 25 with 20% effort is my point. Yeah. But he still had, like, I think he almost had a triple-double if he didn't have it. And he was putting effort yeah. in on the defensive end. So it's, I guess I'm comparing both of them to Kawhi and Paul George, and I'd much rather have Anthony Davis and LeBron at this standpoint. So at least LeBron, when he was playing number two, decided to play a full game. And Fair I mean enough. a full game, like a, a you know an all-around game, whereas Paul George I, was like, "Let me just put up five points and sit over here." And... Maybe I do maybe think... the way to look. Oh, go ahead. Right one. Go ahead. No, you go. All right. Well, I, maybe the way to look at it, like how you guys are looking at it, it would be, you know, look look what they're doing without being at their best, right? And I looked at it more as like I'm a little worried about that they haven't played the way they were playing four months ago. That they they they. Just they just haven't had that same, you know, explosiveness and efficiency, right? Like they were terrible in the eight seeding games, but I understand the playoffs were different. Um, I don't know. I just see it as a concern going forward. Like if they can't get there by the time they hit the Western Conference Finals. It's also I find I mean it's also concerning that they haven't just been lighting it up. But um, I mean I think like part of this is like sometimes the shots don't fall. And, and, and the Lakers, they've shot like 33% from three in the series. And they finally like, kind of, I think they made over 50% of their threes in game four. They had some, some crazy efficient stat line in the last game. And I don't know. I, I think this team is seamlessly going to be able to keep playing their game and seamlessly just center everything around AD and LeBron and, and, and have things start to click. I don't. I don't see their lack of clicking and their lack of um, their lack of ferocity as they're going through these games as a negative. I think it's just they're just scaling up. They're just getting there. I think what's encouraging um, on the on the flip side of Juan's point is that in March and in February and in January they were rolling, as opposed to when you look at the Clippers yeah. who have never been rolling and we use it as a benefit to them some, in some ways. Like I hear people say, "Oh, like." Oh, once they get rolling, well, I haven't seen this team do anything. Uh, so I, at least I've seen the Lakers put something together. I remember. You remember? Fair enough. Gosh, it was it was right before it was right before the se- the season got got postponed um, back in March. But there is this one game. It was Bucks versus Lakers, and it was a LeBron versus a Giannis show. And the Lakers pulled out the win. But it was an incredible game of basketball, and everyone after that game like was unbelievably on the Lakers train because they looked so good. And that's, that's where we left things before, before COVID happened and before we started the bubble. So yeah, like Darcy said, we've, we've seen the Lakers do it and I think they're going to do it again. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, there's still a lot of playoffs. (laughs) Guards are so trash though. (laughs) Speaking of guards though, man, I'm the king of the vamps today. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about the let's talk about the guards on Portland because we've really experienced the 
the rise and fall of the Portland Trailblazers in this bubble. Um, they're one of the hottest teams in the regular season bubble, and Damian Lillard was arguably like a top three player in the league towards the end of the bubble, and um, and now their season's going to be done. They're 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 probably not going to win Game Five. The Lakers are probably going to take the series four one. Oh, do we know with the p- postponement if uh, Lillard's playing Game Five now? Because I was originally going to sit it out. Um. Check it out, Darcy. Yeah. I guess to answer your question, I really think that, I mean, I understand the logic of if they were healthy all season, they'd probably be a five seed, right? Like they, they would have been a lot better record wise, but come playoff time, like you can't just play on one side of the floor and that's all they do. Like they were statistically bad all season on defense and they, even, even with full strength, they were statistically bad on defense in the bubble. And even if the league is more offensive, like offensive than defensive now, I think once it comes to playoff time, like you need to learn to be able to like stop the other team. You got to clamp down. Yeah. And for example, McComb's bad on defense, right? He's bad. He's small. He's like outsized against every other shooting guard. But Lillard can be better. I just think it's lack of effort, right? Like he expends so much energy on offense. I just don't think he tries on defense. Mm Mm-hmm. Nurkic is all right. Like he's okay. You know, he's he's a he's neutral on defense. I would say like he's not bad. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's time to start retooling that roster if you want to run it back with those three guys and just get knowing you're not going to have offensive production. Just get two defensive studs to play your four and your three. Otherwise, yeah. this team's not going to win. Yeah, I um, I agree. I feel like they the lack of effort from some of their players at some times is like really frustrating on the defensive end because they are capable in my mind, mm-hmm. you know, athletes like McCollum and Lillard are, are capable and Nurkic. I thought he was putting the effort in and he, like you said, one, he's probably a net neutral. Um, and it, I think I thought Mello was putting the effort in. Uh, but again, he's, he's going to be a net negative. Um, he's not capable of guarding the wings that are out there today, but he's capable of coming off the bench and guarding somebody's backup. So I, I do think mm-hmm. they need to upgrade the three and the four slot. Um, and probably, I don't know who that is, because they also need somebody who can produce a little bit on, who isn't a net negative on offense as well. But they need, like, they need Dort if they're going to be, you know, if there's going to be a net negative on you know, offense. You know who I was going to say? I think the Blazers would benefit from a guy like Roberson, who, like, you yeah. know, is not yeah. going to give you anything yeah. on offense. But you're, you're too offensively talented that it doesn't matter. Yeah. And maybe they'll get somebody in the draft. Um who can who can play some solid D, um, a la like Thibel or somebody like that, like would really make a yeah. big difference for them who can kind of guard two through four. That'd be um, a good fit. But I wouldn't blow up been... I wouldn't blow up the team though. Sorry, Josh. No, no, you you're like not blowing up the team leads into what I was gonna ask. And I mean, this is a team that is built around two all star guards. And and We've talked about this before, and a lot of people have talked about the viability of actually centering your team around two studs in the backcourt. Um, are are the are the Blazers' problems, and is there is there a fall in this playoffs? The Lakers, is it partially because they're just built in a way that's not meant for success in today's league, or is it solely the fact that they were riddled with injuries and they don't have the the role players around Willard and McCollum to to make success happen. I think they're capable of making success happen and they need, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't blow it up unless you could get like a really great haul from McCollum. He'd be the one piece I'd be willing to trade, but it'd have to be a really great piece I'm getting back, like a Ben Simmons or like like somebody of that caliber who would fit with the team. But I, I think like Juan had mentioned, upgrade the three and the four spot. I don't know who that is right now. I'd have to look at who's going to be a free agent or who's available potentially in the trade market. But um, I think if anything, teams like the Warriors have shown us that you can you can succeed when your two best players are guards. It's just that Clay Thompson's also a, a phenomenal defensive player. Yeah, I don't think um, that's fair. Yeah, so you know that that hurt. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> I don't think that's a good comparison. And well, a better I, comparison yeah. is the is the Wizards with with John Wall and Bradley Beal. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess. Okay. Um, so mine, I, not that they've had that. any realm of success even close to what Portland has experienced, but but that's that's like no, the. I think they've had the same amount of success. Yeah. Yeah. Portland's been lucky in a lot of ways. When they were healthy, like they were consistently anywhere that's between true. the three and the six seed. Like yeah. they were yeah. a solid playoff contender. I mean, that 2017 run. That 2017 run. Oh man. I guess well, one of the other things you can look at from both the Wizards' perspective and the Blazers' perspective is then you need to upgrade your five spot. Um, I don't think Nurkic is the problem, but he he isn't necessarily your best solution if you can find somebody who can be a really awesome defensive and flexible five. Um, and I think the Wizards needed somebody like that, or maybe it's a four. I don't know. But well, and Nurkic, Nurkic, a third been, guy. Nurkic has been gassed, and and whether he is the guy in that slot or not, there it seems like they're relying him on relying on him too much. Not even because of his skill, just because he, he hasn't been able to hang and play at that level consistently yeah. throughout the series. backup, though, was like this guy called Gabriel who played like zero minutes before going into the bubble. Like the, they had to yeah. play Nurkic 40 minutes to, against Davis, too. It wasn't like 40 minutes yeah. just like, you know, we're going to like play offense a lot and wheel and deal. It was like you have to try and guard their best player and one of the best players in the league. That's rough, you know? I think um... – I also would agree that it's not time to blow it up. Well, that let me preface by saying that Darcy, I told Darcy that some of my favorite teams ever are like those playoff teams that are always in the mix but never ended up winning, but that just mm-hmm. kept running it back and running it back and running it back. Like they build an identity and they're just going to go for it, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what the Blazers are, and I'm a fan of that, right? I like that Lillard's like, hey, I'm going to keep trying until I win with this team. But the roster really needs to be retooled. Otherwise, I do think that this team probably won't ever win a championship, even though they're really fun to watch. Yeah, I, oh man, uh, it's just uh, what I love about teams that do that is that if there's a if the if it breaks right in a given year, you can win. It could you know, and it wouldn't take Maps much. Twenty eleven, dude. Rockets this year, if they kept Chris Paul, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I just there's there's a lot to be said that if if you get your timing right and you stay competitive that whole time and you have a strong nucleus. Um, shit, especially in a given year like this where things are all out, out of whack, you can go a long way. Yeah, but I definitely defense needs to be a priority in the offseason. Cephalosha? He's kind of old now, but... Yeah, he's pretty old. Um, trying to think. Maybe maybe if they get Baines to back up Nurkic, like that's a player you could get on value that's like that's pretty solid. defensively. And you could play them together against big big teams like the Lakers. Baines can spread could, the floor uh, a little bit too. Mm-hmm. You you wouldn't be able to play them together, but if the Blazers were interested, they could probably get Pirtle from the Spurs, who like is really good defensively but provides you nothing on offense. Um, I do have a little update, unless you want to take it, Darcy. 
Um, Willard okay. actually left the Orlando campus on Thursday nice. to get his knee examined in Portland. Um, so it is still to be determined what like the outcome of that exam will be. And it's also to be determined if he will even be able to re-enter the bubble and, and start playing right away. Um, but regardless, I, it's, it's safe to say that this series is over and that yeah. the Lakers are going to win. And I wouldn't bring him back, and I would probably not play McCullough more than a few, you know. McCullough's back yeah. has been broken yeah. all year. He has a sprained yeah. back. <laughs> you just take the L on this one. Yeah. Come back next year. You did your thing. You gained everyone's respect. You didn't play defense, but what can you do? It was damn fun watching it. It was fun. All right, guys. Well, let's um let's head to the last series really quick. I know we talked a lot of Mavs clips. We spent an hour on last the Mavs, pod, but we just got <laughs> to update. Go back? <laughs> we just got to update and give some final thoughts. Um, <laughs> after the Clippers won Tuesday's matchup, one fifty four to one eighteen, another one five plus game, one five zero plus game in the playoffs. Um, what's your takeaway from Game Five for the Clippers taking this three to two lead? Um, what do you think is going to happen over the last one or two games of the series? I thought they were doing a good job patching it together without Porzingis, but it looks like he's going to be out the rest of the playoffs and um, potentially is going to need surgery on his right knee. Uh, although I think it's just a meniscus tear, which doesn't bode well for arthritis, but is quick to recover from. Um, yeah, I kind of think they're probably going to play a tough game on whenever they're playing. What is it? Sunday, I think, but, I think they lose. Yeah, I think they're out. Um, I I only watched the first half of that game, and after that, I'm done. It's rough. I yeah, I didn't I didn't continue watching. Yeah. Um, I think they can't win without Chris Stapps. I think they have similar problems as Portland. I don't think it's a lack of effort with the Mavs, though. Like I think that they really do try on defense, and that's something that Carlisle pushes. Mm-hmm. But like Doncic just isn't good at defense right now. He can be. Like he'll be. He can. He's smart enough to get to make up for his athleticism or lack thereof. But uh, I just don't think they're, they're good enough defensively to, to have a chance to come back, really. I agree with that. Darcy, you did call the, um, the random Paul George putting up big numbers game um, on the last five. So props to you for making that call. Um, <laughs> what do you think he's going to do in, in game six? Do you think he's going to pop off again? Or do you think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be another – pandemic P performance. I think it's going to be a solid 22 points in, in a, in a half decent performance where you won't realize he had 22 points because he wasn't showing up in the big moments. That's my guess. But um, yeah, I mean, okay. So he, had, <laughs> he did have 35 and he, and he played really well, but you won by 40. So, you know, it wasn't even that. Ah, it's just, he's so frustrating. They would have won either way. <laughs> they would have won without those points. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so literally you could have scored zero and you would have won. And it, Kawhi, Kawhi went six for six to start the game. He just, like, in the first quarter, he randomly just, like, put up 12 points. He's like, unbelievable. It was nothing. It was incredible. It was yeah, incredible. he's unbelievable. And I – it's just so crazy. Again, Paul George doesn't need to do much in terms of scoring. He needs to do everything else, and he's so capable, and he just doesn't when he's not on. And it's like, that's how you, that's how you get going, and that's yeah. – I don't know. It's funny. I was, I was listening to the to – the, Bill Simmons pod from earlier in the week to one of his pods from earlier in the week, and he had Ryan Russell on, and they were making the comparison about how Paul George needs to be the the Pippin to like Kawhi's Jordan. Yes, like, that's not such saying a great that, not saying that like they're like the same, but like 
Pippen learned how to play beside a superstar. He learned how to kind of focus his game on the things that mattered when Michael Jordan was doing his thing and going off and leading the team. And yeah, like you said, it's the perfect comp. It's exactly what yeah. Paul George needs to learn to do. Um, and it's the only way that the Clippers are going to be able to beat the Lakers. Yeah. And he's not, he's not going to be the passer Pippen was, but he's, he can be 90% of the defender that he was. He's, Instead of Kawhi taking on the best and top defensive matchup, that needs to be Paul George when Kawhi's got it going and Paul doesn't, which is a lot of the time, to take that energy <laughs> off of Kawhi. Instead of Kawhi right. on both ends like that, it doesn't need to be that way. That's the whole point they got together. I agree. I think that at this point, and, and it should have been from the beginning, right? Like, it just it makes perfect sense, right? Like, Jordan was a great defender, right? But – because he provided so much on offense, it made way more sense to have Pippen guard the best guy. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, right? Like, yeah, Paul George is great on offense, and you're not as good on defense, but Kawhi is taking the load on both ends. Like, you take the best player, and Kawhi can take the second best player. Just It should have been like that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But they, they hide him on defense, too, and it makes no sense. Like, it makes no sense. Why, why is Paul George <laughs> not guarding fucking yeah. And he's much – Paul George is much better on the ball on defense than off it. Like, he's not somebody – in my opinion, that takes that plays great help defense or rotational defense. He right. plays I mean, great it's an effort on the thing, though. Defense. It's it's a similar it that falls in the yeah. same problem of him just choosing not to do those things. Yeah, I think it's lack of awareness. Like, uh, yeah, it's also like before. It's, yeah, it's he's so used to guarding the best player and being up in their grill and like taking on like the LeBrons of the Heat world. And when you're playing off the ball, it it, it does require a certain awareness. Yeah, I think the I think the Clippers close it out next game. Yeah, I think so. Unfortunately, I the maps were so I much agreed. fun to watch. I, I really wish they were at full strength because Porzingis is really big the for seven. them. Certainly the seven. I think they might have won. Well, we are going to be seeing much more of the Mavs in the future, especially Luka Doncic. So we will have many years of at least Luka enjoyment and hopefully Mavs enjoyment as well uh, ahead. Second round series you're most looking forward to? Bucks Heat. I'm really Celtics Raptors. Changed my mind. Ooh, going with the East. Riding with the East. Um, I am also really excited for Celtics Raptors in the East. Um, I'm stoked to see whatever happens with the um, with the outcome between like Houston and OKC. And like whatever that whoever that team faces, I, I'm really excited for that second round series as well. If it's Thunder Lakers, I cannot wait. If it's Rockets Lakers, that's gonna be rough. You'll sit that one out. <laughs> I'll probably watch a bunch, but yeah, I won't. I won't enjoy it. All right, boys, this is a lot of fun. We actually got through the rest of the series. Went a little long, a lot of longer than we expected, but uh, hey, <laughs> progress, right? Progress. Yep, more and beat to come. <laughs> more Luka Doncic hour rants to come as well. Oh, for sure. We'll say a goodbye when they're eliminated. We'll have a goodbye pod just for them. Yes. <laughs> goodbye, Luka. Goodbye. Juan, sign us off, man. All right, boys. It was a pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Mom, again, for uh, giving us that, uh, that listen. Really appreciate it. And that sponsor. It. And that sponsor. This episode is sponsored by my mom. Oh God. Anyway, uh 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys soon. Peace out. Peace. That's when you get that you gotta get that modello. True, but I was on a budget. I was balling on a budget. And that's why this like $3 episode cheaper. is sponsored by Coors Light. Light, crisp, refreshing, and most importantly, cheap as fuck. Coors. Coors. Get and not Bud Light. <laughs> Check out your better local than Bud house. Light, better than Miller Light. No. No, Miller Light's the Miller best. Miller Light's like dude. way better than any of those. Yeah, Miller Miller Light's Light is water. Shit. Bud Light is water. They're trash. No, no, no. But Miller Lite has the flavor like, that Budweiser has, but half the calories. Wait, no, but let me say this. So Miller Lite, great. Coors no. Light, great. Coors Light, when the can is blue. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you put it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, okay, so my dad drinks only exclusively Miller Lite. And I don't know if that's what it is, right? But like, I just don't think, out of the light beers, I don't think, like I'm so t- fed up with Miller Lite. Like out of the light beers, if I have to get one of those, my go-to is Coors Light. I, you guys had Bud Light Platinum? Yes. I haven't. Is it's it so good? Nasty. Bud Light Platinum, no, it's good. That shit's smooth. No, it's terrible. It's 6% it's like alcohol, of too. Awfulness. It's what my, it's no, what my six, dad drinks. My dad loves trash. Platinums. That's trash. I got I to gotta show you something, Josh. Uh, That's Darcy trash. wasn't into it, but... Well, he hasn't tried it, so I don't know if he's into it, but he refuses to. So they started selling these. It's, Budwe- it's Budweiser on Nitro. I'm such a fan. They're like, is it good? I'm gonna head out. Good. I'll see you guys. Uh, <laughs> is it good? I like it. Yeah, it's like it. It has the the smooth, like it has the mouthfeel of of a like a stout, right? But it has mm. like the more refreshing taste of, yeah. of a lager. So I appreciate, and it it tastes better. I I genuinely don't think it just tastes like a Budweiser on nitro. I think it has a little. I think they 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 brewed it differently. I mean, I, I would definitely try it. I don't mind Budweiser. I Bud Light's the worst. No, Bud Light's it's terrible. Like literally water. <laughs> Bud Light's terrible. Somebody loves BL, BLLs and BLOs, Bud Light Oranges, Bud Light Limes. Who does? Um, the Bud Light Orange tastes nice. like juice, and I kind of, I'm into that. Like, it's I'm like, into it. I, no, I actually like it. Bud Light like Lime's a, good. Yeah, it's all right, it's all right but yeah. Bud Light, or, like Bud Light Lime tastes like a Bud Light with lime, right? Bud Light Orange just tastes like a, like a Smirnoff, right? Like, it's so sweet. It's just like, if you don't want a beer, but you're like, down to drink something sweeter that's that's what it is anyway if right. you see, <laughs> well, take us into to <laughs> the i gotta put this back skip you got a little skip. like uh what do you got there a little fridge in there fridge. Nice. yeah it's my mini fridge it's my yeah. beer fridge basically. right next to the couch you know yeah <clears throat> Nah, couch is on the other side, but yeah, it's my it's my fridge.